I brought a little stool with me this morning because today I'm going to have to do a little bit more teaching, a little less preaching. So this will help me, help me stay focused, stay grounded a little bit as we talk through some things together. Uh, but before we do, I know we just got done praying, but it's one of those Sundays where uh, I want to add my prayer as well. Do you mind? Father, I thank you for the opportunity you've given us to open up your word. It is a privilege and an honor. I pray that we not take it lightly. God, I know that your word is sharper than any sword that divides even between bone and marrow and thoughts and intents. And, and I pray that it would do that this morning. God, I pray that you would guard us from our own indifference, from our inattention and our ill will that would rob your word from taking root in our hearts and in our lives. Pray that it would take root and sprout up and reap a harvest 30, 60, and 100 fold. Give us insight today to who you are, Jesus, and and what you do and desire to do, and, and our best response to that. So speak now. And the servants are listening. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. amen. Let me ask you a question. Do y'all remember COVID? Do you remember when that was a thing? I remember back in the COVID days, and we kept our church doors open. Uh, and when we kept our church doors open... Um, I could not keep people from attending. And every, I mean, there were all kinds of passionate Christians during COVID. And I said, Dadgum, I'm going to tell you what, the government cannot keep me from worshiping my God. I'm going to show up at church whether they say I can or I can't. And I don't know why I'm staying home. Uh-uh, I'm going to worship my Jesus. Remember COVID? And now that COVID's not a thing, Liberty has taken over in the place of passion. We started live streaming our services during COVID because there were some that we understood. For one reason or another, could not, would not, chose not to, to be at church. COVID's done. And what at one time may have seemed like a necessity now has become a liability of liberty. And when once we could not keep people from walking through the doors. We're in a different age now. And so I have determined and decided that as of May 7th, our live stream will stop. We will still record it, and it will be published Sunday night or Monday morning, but it will not be live at 10.30. I just refuse to allow our liberty to become a liability. There are some who during COVID time will quote Hebrews 10.25. Let us not neglect meeting together as some in the habit of doing. Dad, I'm going to be at church. And there are some who have now chosen to live that scripture. Neglect the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. I've already been in contact with those uh, that are of our fold outside of the county, uh, that are doing church biblically, which that means worshiping together regularly, giving sacrificially, evangelizing regularly, and serving in their community. And we do have sites outside of this county that are doing those four things. And they will continue to receive a closed circuit link to continue that work. But as far as those among us, you can still get it Sunday night and Monday morning, but not live at 1030. If you have any questions about that, I have no more answers. That is what it is. I'm done talking about it. <laughs> the Gospel of John. John tells us the reason for his gospel, that these things were written that you might believe. And what we have in the Gospel of John was given to us that we might believe. Part of what we have in the Gospel of John is what's called the seven I am's of Jesus. 
very unique to the Gospel of John. Jesus says seven different times, I am the. And we have to understand that the purpose of the Gospel of John was given to us that we might believe. And so the seven I am's that were reported to us by John were given to us so that we would understand who Jesus is. I am the. And understanding who he is would believe. We're in John chapter 10 today. I invite you to turn there. And up to this point, we, this, is, this is the I am number three and I am number four so far in our study. The first I am of Jesus is in chapter six and it says, I am the bread of life. The second I am of Jesus, we looked at it in John chapter eight, and it says, I am the light of the world. Number three and number four in the book of, uh, or chapter 10, he says, I am the gate and I'm the good shepherd. John 10 is the famous chapter about the good shepherd, and by context, the sheep. And I want to jump into John 10, and there's a lot here uh, that I like to explain and to teach on, but I need to give some context before we get to the content. And the context of John 10 and the shepherd is this. Jesus is going to talk about two different sheepfolds or sheep pens in John 10. One sheep pen is in the village, and one sheep pen is in the country. And John 10, verses 1 through 5, is about the sheep pen in the village. And John 10, 7 through 10, is about the sheepfold or pen in the country. And they're very set different. They have unique properties and unique responsibilities of the shepherd of each. Jesus' hearers understood this because the history of shepherding and sheep ran deep in their culture, in their history, and in their heritage. We, not so much. And so in order to understand what Jesus is saying about the shepherd and the sheep, we got to go back to the Old Testament. And so I want to go back and I want to start in Zechariah chapter 10. In Zechariah chapter 10, it says this, The idols speak deceitfully, diviners see visions that lie, they tell dreams that are false. They give comfort in vain. Therefore, the people wander like, there it is, sheep oppressed for lack of, huh? A shepherd. Now, and what we learn in, in, in Zechariah and what he's telling us is that there's a lot of voices coming at us. Diviners, idol, they speak. There's all these voices around us, all these voices speaking into our ears, all these voices giving us messages and instructions and directions. And what he's saying is every one of them, apart from the shepherd, is going to lead us astray. Not unlike today. There's a lot of voices talking to us. 24-7, and we allow a lot of voices to talk to us. And every one of those voices, if, they're con if, if it's not the shepherd's voice, every one of them is going to lead us astray. Now, you notice it says they speak deceitfully. Speaking and voices was crucial to the life, safety, and welfare of the sheep. We're going to talk about that. But let me just suffice it to say at this point, every voice that we let into our ears and into our brains, if it's other than the shepherd, it's designed to lead us astray. And, the, and, and, and Zechariah says here, therefore, because people listen to all these other voices, they wander aimless. What do I do? What don't I do? What's the right decision? What's the right play? Why is this? Why is that? They wander because they're oppressed. Because they lack a shepherd. This is all in the psyche of the people Jesus. Jesus in John 10 is speaking primarily to Jews. And they knew this scripture. They, they're drawing on all of this Old Testament history about shepherds and sheep. They know what we don't know. There's another passage that, that is popping in their minds right now. Ezekiel 34, and I didn't put it on the outline, but I'll just read it to you. Ezekiel 34 is a, is a chapter about sheep and shepherds. And God is saying, I, I put shepherds over my people to care for them and minister to them and to save them and rescue them and to bring them back when they go astray. And this is what he says about them. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. 
They haven't strengthened the weak, nor have they healed the sick or bound up the injured. They haven't brought back the strays uh, or searched for the lost. uh, They haven't searched for the lost. They've ruled them harshly and brutally. They've scattered, uh, the sheep were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for the wild animals. God is saying here, my people have wandered away. They've walked away. And I put shepherds there to help bring them back, to help heal them, to help cure them, to help minister to them, to help protect them. And all they've done is use the sheep for their own benefit. In other words, what he's saying is they've leveled the law and withheld grace. And he says, I love my sheep. So he goes on in verse 34 and he says, for this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from the places where they're scattered. I will pasture them on the mountains. I will tend them in the good pasture. They will feed in the rich pasture. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost. I will bring back the streets. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. I will shepherd the flock with justice. And when Jesus is talking to the Jews in John 10, this is what's running through their minds. That we're waiting and looking for the Messiah who will, who will watch after us, who will, who will lead, who will shepherd us, who will bind us up when we're ill, who will help us and heal us and take care of us and shepherd us. This is what they've been waiting for for generations. It's interesting to me that this, this motif had played a long time in the mind of Jesus. Before we even get to John 10, you go to Matthew 9. And in Matthew 9, Jesus is going out throughout the region and he's preaching and he's teaching and he's healing people and ministering. And the Bible says this in 9 verse 36. I think I put it on the screen. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like what? like sheep without a shepherd. He says he sees these people and he realizes that they're listening to all these other voices, all these other influences, and they're just confused and they're lost and they're hurt and they're wandering around life. What do I do? What don't I do? What's the right play? What's the decision? How do I manage? How do I handle? And he says he has compassion on them. It means it was moved within himself to love and pity because they were just, common folk who were ignorant of the shepherd that wanted to shepherd their souls. They were harassed and helpless. In other words, they were thrown down and cast about like sheep. The Bible talks a lot about sheep. In the Old Testament, especially Isaiah 53, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way, like Sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all on Jesus. And so the Bible talks a lot of us as being sheep. And every one of us has gone our own way, done our own thing, made our own decisions, wandering around because we're lost, we're confused. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to respond. We don't know how to act. We don't know why stuff's going on. And we just respond to stimuli and it's, Wrong. We're listening to voices, we're letting people talk, we're letting systems speak to us. And Jesus says, they're just sheep without a shepherd. The interesting thing to me, that word shepherd has a long history with the Jews as well. Did you know that the greatest leader and, and the greatest king were both shepherds? The greatest leader in Israel's history, the liberator of the nation, Moses, was a shepherd before he was a leader, tended the flock of his father-in-law. The greatest king of all Israel, David, was a shepherd boy before he was a king. And so this motif of shepherd runs deep. They know how to care for the helpless and the lost. They know how to rescue those who have wandered away. And they lead from that heart. And so this idea of a shepherd, it plays long and runs deep before Jesus ever says the words in John 10. You know, it's interesting to me, and back in in Matthew 9, after Jesus says they're they're, they're harassed and lost like sheep without a shepherd. 
it's really interesting the next thing he says. In verse 37, this is just a side note. I just, I have it in my Bible and I was, I have it underlined, so I got to share it. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest. So he's saying, look, I got people out there, and they're harassed, and they're hurting, and, and they, they, they need help, they need minister to, and there's a lot of them out there, and they're ready to respond. So ask God to send people out to go get them. And the very next thing, like the disciples pray, and the very next verse, he called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and heal every diseases, and then he sent them out. Be careful what you pray for. By praying God will do is your injunction to do. It's not your prayer that someone else do. And when Jesus said, y'all pray that God sends people out. I'm a shepherd. You be my workers. You go out and get them. You pray that that'll happen. And he says, oh, by the way, tag, you're it. He's the shepherd. We're his under-shepherd and workers. This, this idea of shepherd, they understood some things about shepherds that we don't. And so I want to unpack this. That's all setting it up to get us to, to John 10. All of this about shepherds. These things are written that you might believe. Let's understand what the shepherd is, who the shepherd is. Two types of sheepfolds Jesus is talking about. One sheepfold in the village, verses 1 through 5. One sheepfold in the country, verses 7 through 10. Very different. Let me just read the first five verses, verses of John 10. This is about the sheepfold that's in the village. Very true, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in a, the, some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Let me unpack what's going on here. He's talking about the sheepfold in the village and what would happen is the shepherds of the flocks of sheep would come back from the fields, from the country, to the village. And so that the shepherds could have a night or two off, they would take all their flock to a centralized sheep pen where all these sheep from all these other shepherds would be brought. And there was a watchman at the gate. And the watchman at the gate was in charge of a big sheep pen with high walls and, and fences around. The watchman's job was to stand at the gate and greet the shepherd as the shepherd would come. The watchman knew the shepherd, so he knew it was a legitimate shepherd. The shepherd would bring his flock to the gate. The watchman would stand at the gate, and the shepherd and the watchman would inspect each individual sheep as they walked in to enter the pen. They would hold a rod and lift up the sheep's head and inspect the sheep to make sure it wasn't diseased, sick or maimed because a diseased or sick sheep in a sheep pen would be devastating to the entire flock. And once that sheep was legitimized, would let that sheep in and on and on, sheep after sheep until the whole flock is in the big pen. Then the next shepherd would come with their flock of sheep, do the same thing. Then the next shepherd would come with their flock of sheep, let them all in. So you had in the, in the sheep pen in the village, very large, high fences, one watchman at the gate and a whole bunch of sheep from a lot of different shepherds in the pen. Is that clear? And so Jesus says, the watchman opens the gate for him, for the sheep, uh, and, and, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. When the evening was over, the next day comes, the shepherd wants to come back and get his sheep to take him out to pasture. The shepherd would come to the sheep pen. The watchman recognizes it's a legitimate shepherd coming through the gate. Because if you wanted to steal a gate, you wouldn't, or steal a sheep, you wouldn't come through the gate. You'd jump, try to jump the fence. And, and, and so he says, a legitimate shepherd. The Bible says the shepherd would stand and call his sheep. Now, they didn't brand sheep back then. They didn't have little sheep uniforms to know whose was whose. 
And, and what they, what, see, sheep aren't real smart, but they got great ears. And, and the shepherd, they would know the shepherd's voice. And they would trust the shepherd's voice. So all the shepherd had to do was make whatever sound he make that he has trained the sheep to hear, and they would be drawn to the shepherd. This is not unlike dogs. Dogs know their master's voice. And they pay attention to the master. Now, we have two bulldogs, Diesel and Daisy. Uh, and they're my dogs. And so much so that, that whenever they get out of their little area in our house, and I have no idea how they do that, but whenever they get into the rest of the house where they're not allowed to go by Shelly, <laughs> if Shelly ever catches us in that moment, she will tell Diesel, Diesel, go to your room. And Diesel kind of looks up at her like, who are you? And goes about his day. But when I come in, all I have to say, Diesel, go to your room. Puts his head down, walks straight to his room. Why? Because he knows my voice. If they're ever in the backyard and I don't know where they are and I want them to come in, all I have to do is this. That's it. And they come running. Because they know my voice. There's a lot of other voices that speak to them. They don't pay any attention to those other voices. My sheep know my name. They know my voice and I call them by name. This is what Jesus is saying. Let me tell you part of our problem. Part of our problem is we're more familiar with the voices of culture than the voice of the shepherd. Do you understand? Just like back in Zechariah, there's all these other voices talking. Every one of them leads us astray because it's not the voice of the shepherd. And Jesus is saying, my sheep know my voice and they'll run away from every other voice. Our problem is that we allow so many other voices to talk to us throughout the day and the night, so much more so than the voice of the shepherd. We're so far, so familiar with the voices of culture, more so than the voice of the shepherd. We don't recognize his voice when he does talk. We spend so much time listening to the voices in our entertainment, on our news feeds, in our social media, in our music we listen to, more than the voice of the shepherd. And a sheep cannot follow a shepherd if he doesn't know the shepherd's voice. It's interesting to me that Jesus says they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they don't recognize the stranger's voice. Here's the deal. Sheep are going to run away from one voice or another. Sheep will run away from the voice they don't recognize. And if the sheep don't recognize the voice of the shepherd, they'll run away from it. God, I don't understand why you're saying what you're saying. I don't understand why you're doing what you're doing. You haven't explained to me yet why this is happening, why this is going on. I don't know. And God's saying, because you haven't learned to hear my voice. You'll run away. We will run away from one of two voices, either the voice of the Culture or the voice of the shepherd? We'll run to the voice we're familiar with. We'll run away from the voice we're not. Is this clear? One of the things I love about this passage is, 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 is in, 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 uh, in verse three, the watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Verse four, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and the sheep follow him because he knows his voice. I love that passage because here's what it is. This is the difference between a Western rancher and an Eastern rancher. See, in the West, rancher, we like to drive our flock. We'll drive the cattle ahead of us. We'll drive the sheep ahead. We'll get a bunch of dogs that yip and yap around them to corral them and to move them. And it's a very forceful, it's a very power-hungry position to drive them and move them. This isn't how it was in the East. Eastern shepherds didn't drive. Eastern shepherds led. That's why Jesus says, he will call them out and will lead them and they will follow because the shepherd 
having the best will in mind for the sheep, knew where the best pasture land was, knew where the green pastures were, knew where the still waters to drink, knew the routes to avoid, knew the pitfalls that was coming that the sheep didn't know. And the shepherd in his goodness, because he's such a good shepherd, says, just follow me. I have good things planned for you. Just follow me. Trust me. You don't need to know the destination. You don't need to know the journey. You don't need to see the map. You don't need to know the route. All you need to know is my voice. Just follow. And there's so many people trying to follow God who, hmm. well, God, if you'll tell me why, if you'll show me what, if you'll tell me this, that, and the other, if you'll answer this and answer that, I want to know. And he says, no, 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 I'm the good shepherd. Just follow. We're sheep. We don't have to know. We just have to trust. Does this make sense? Is this hard? Yeah. The re- I'll tell you the reason it's hard. It's because we don't really believe we're sheep. We believe we know. And we don't really trust the shepherd because we believe that we, I mean, we would trust him if he'd give us some explanation. That's not trust. See, here, here, here's what I know. Sheep need to be led, not driven, led. And sheep without a shepherd either lost or dead. Just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's happening. I don't know why this is happening. I'm not sure what my next step is. I don't have answers. I've got a lot of questions. We're just dead. Dead in the water. Dead in their sin. Because they haven't chosen to follow a good shepherd and to hear his voice. It's interesting that even people that day really didn't understand everything Jesus was saying, and so he changes tactics in verse 7. Look at what he says in verse 7, 8, 9, and 10. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come to me uh, before are thieves and robbers. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. He changes changes the scenario. No longer is he talking about the sheepfold in the village. Now he changes. Now he's talking about the sheepfold in the country. And so the the shepherd has come back and called his sheep. They know his voice. He leads them and follows, and, and they follow him. And he's led them out into the country avoiding the pitfalls, avoiding the dangers, leading them beside the still waters and the green pastures. And now nightfall comes. And the shepherd needs to create a makeshift pen for the sheep so they don't wander off when it gets dark and scary. And to do that, he takes thorn bushes and sticks and tumbleweeds and makes a very temporary circle with one little break in the circle of the thorn bushes. The thorn bushes are intended to keep the the coyotes out and the sheep in. And there's one little break in the barrier, the gate. Now, he doesn't have time to make a gate and gate posts and latches and all that. And so what the shepherd does is lays his body down over the opening, and he becomes the gate. That nobody goes into the sheep pen but through him. And they can't get out of the sheep pen because he won't let them out. And nothing can enter the sheep pen and attack them that doesn't go through him first. This is what Jesus is saying that he is, that those out in the country, that they are saved by proximity of his body. He lays it down. This is why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes in except through me, because I've laid my life down. I'm the only entrance. What this also means is that he says, nobody can get to my sheep that doesn't go through my body first, over my dead body, right? And this is why the book of Job is so profound for us because the book of Job presents the devil going to God saying, God, let me at Job. And God says, I'm gonna give you some parameters. 
You, I need to approve everything that you want to do to his life. And God says, you don't get to touch him without going through me first. I'm going to prepare him. I'm going to protect him. And I'm going to reward him. We are not left up to the devices of the evil one. Everything has to go across God's desk. First. And if it goes across God's desk first, he knows. He's prepared. Don't wander away from him. Listen to his voice and follow. I am the gate. Jesus says, all whoever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. John 10, Jesus is talking to these, to these, these, these teachers of the law, these Pharisees, right on the heels of healing the man born blind. And Jesus is saying, all you people, you religious people, you were supposed to be the ones through whom God's mercy and grace is, is experienced in this blind man's life. And you neglected him and you denied him and you abused him and you objectified him and, and you were brutal to him. You're thieves and robbers and he will not listen to you. That's why the guy gave them no credence because they knew that they were, he knew that they were illegitimate shepherds. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they might have life and have it to the fullest. I was talking to my friend Dennis. And we were talking about this passage uh, just on Friday night. Uh, and he said, you know, the interesting thing about that passage is the thief has one singular purpose. That there's no neutrality with the thief. It's to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his one purpose. I've came he has come only to do these things. To steal, to steal what God would do in your life, to steal your experience of God's mercy and his grace, to kill, to kill your trust in a good shepherd that wants to lead you into good pasture, to destroy everything God would do. That's the purpose of the thief, and it's a singular purpose, and he has no other purpose. All these other voices talking to us, all these other voices we let in our ears that are other than the voice of the shepherd has the singular purpose of the thief, to steal, kill, and destroy. And we let them do it time and time and time again. And Jesus says, I've come that I have life and have it to the full. It means abundant life. It doesn't mean a life of riches and wealth and nice cars. And nice. It means a life of contentedness. It means a life of the peace of God. A full life. A life of significance more than success. A full life. You know, it's interesting when he says that, that, that the, the, I've come this might have life and have it to full. You know what this means? This means that everywhere the shepherd leads the sheep is to the place of goodness and fullness and abundance. So the sheep don't have to know. They don't have to see the map. They don't have to know the reason. They don't have to know the route. They don't have to have the shepherd explain to them, okay, sheep, this is what we're going to go up here at the tree. We're going to turn right because there's something. They don't have to know any of that. All they have to know is that where the shepherd leads, as the shepherd leads, the destination he's leading me to is going to be a, a land of, 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 of fullness and abundance. And so I trust him. Even if the route looks scary, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know that this good shepherd is leading me to abundant life. I can trust him without explanation. Do you understand? Here's what I know. Jesus is the good shepherd who gives us safety and protection, but it's contingent upon our proximity to him. The sheep who were experiencing the safety and protection of the good shepherd had to stay in the pen close. If they wandered off and got it, though the shepherd was still, his purpose was to give safety and protection, but when they wandered off out of proximity to the shepherd, they're on their own. Everything that the good shepherd chooses to do for us has to do with our proximity to him. So Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus is going back to Zechariah 10 and Ezekiel 34 that we looked at. 
He said, I'm the one. I, 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 I laid down my, my life. And, and, and all, this, all this Old Testament scripture is popping in the minds of his hearers, these Jews, who had been waiting and watching for a shepherd and didn't realize it was Jesus, who had let all these other voices infect their ears so they couldn't hear the voice of the shepherd anymore. And he says, it's me. And Jesus is claiming to be, he's claiming to be the shepherd of Israel. He's claiming to be God. Look at verses 14 and 15. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay my life down for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Do you know the, what's the most famous shepherd poem in all the Bible? You know what it is. What is it? Say it out loud with your mouths open. Psalm 23. Now, I want you to understand what King David was saying in Psalm 23. This is amazing. He was a shepherd. He knew what it was to care for and take care of and protect his sheep. He said, when a bear came, I, 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 I killed it. When a lion came, took one of my sheep in his mouth, I chased it down, I killed it. Like he knew what it was. Psalm 23 is David bragging about his God, the shepherd. Let let, let me just read it to you in the way I think David wrote it. I, I don't know who your shepherd is, but the Lord is my shepherd. He's such a good shepherd. I lack nothing. He's such a good shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I don't know where your shepherd makes you lie down. My shepherd leads me beside quiet waters. He's such a good shepherd. My shepherd restores and refreshes my soul. My shepherd is such a good shepherd. He guides me along the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He's such a good shepherd. He's such a good shepherd that even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. He's such a good shepherd that he's with me. Oh, good shepherd, he says, your rod and your staff, they're my comfort. You're such a good shepherd. You're such a good shepherd that you prepare before me, uh, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You're such a good shepherd. Such a good shepherd that you anoint my head with oil. My my cup overflows because you're such a good shepherd. You're such a good shepherd. I will follow you and surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. You're such a good shepherd. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. No longer out in the country in a sheep pen. You're such a good shepherd. It's beautiful, isn't it? See, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and I'm the gate, they understood. And it was beautiful. And it called them for a response. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. He's talking to to Jews here. He said, I got other other sheep that are are part of my flock too. I I gotta make sure that they hear my voice too. Do you know what he's talking about? Gentiles, non-Jews, yeah. Yeah, and so here's the thing. This for the Jew, here's how Jews thought about Gentiles. Unless a Gentile converted to Judaism, they just thought that Gentiles were were created to stoke the fires of hell. That's all we're good for. There was a prayer that a a good Jewish man would pray every day. Father, thank you that I'm not a dog, a woman, or a Gentile. I mean, that's that's how this whole thing went down. It's pretty brutal. And so Jesus is saying, I got news for you. My sheep pen, technicolor, man. All kinds of people. And there's one flock and one shepherd, and it's me. This is contrary to what Mormon, uh, Mormons believe about this verse. Mormons believe about this verse that after Jesus was ascended, that he got on his 
whatever transportation thing and came over to North America and presented himself to the Native Americans. That's all they understand, and they're just wrong. He's saying Jews and Gentiles like, which is what the gospel calls, Paul calls the mystery of the gospel, the mysterion of the gospel. It's not that it's a secret, but the mystery of the gospel is that Jews and Gentiles together, one flock with one shepherd, grafted in, adopted in as his own. I got three verses. Can I do them? The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I... I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. What kind of good shepherd would a good shepherd be if a good shepherd stayed dead? That'd be a dead shepherd, not a good shepherd. And he's a good shepherd. So though he laid down his life, he had authority to pick it back up. He's alive. A good shepherd is a live shepherd. Don't let anybody ever fool you and, 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 and make you think that Jesus was murdered. Jesus wasn't murdered. To murder someone means that I have authority to take someone's life against their will. That didn't happen. Jesus says, I have authority to lay my life down. I have authority to pick back up. Nobody took my life from me. I gave it up as a willing sacrifice. And not only that, I have so much authority that when I laid it down, I had authority to pick it back up. And that's exactly what I did because I'm a good shepherd. I ain't going to leave you alone. I will never sleep nor slumber. I'm alive. Now, when Jesus said that and did that, then he went up to heaven and left us. What kind of good shepherd is that? Well, it's a really good shepherd because he's alive eternally. And not only that, he's a really good shepherd because in, in John 16, I didn't put this on there, but I'm just turning my Bible. John 16, verse seven. But I tell you the truth. It's for your good because I'm a good shepherd that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm such a good shepherd that I'm gonna leave and in my place, I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit to be within you. Once you're in the sheepfold, you get the Holy Spirit as part of your life. And the Holy Spirit is your comforter, your counselor, your guide, your helper, your teacher, and intercessor. You want a counselor, you got the Holy Spirit. You want a, a comforter, you got the Holy Spirit. You want a teacher, you got the Holy Spirit. You want a helper, you got the Holy Spirit. I'm such a good shepherd. I'm gonna provide for you, every one of you individually. You all have access to me through the Holy Spirit. And he's such a good shepherd that because he is alive, 1 John chapter two, 1 John chapter two is what, part of what we're studying my Wednesday night Bible study. My best teaching is not on Sunday morning. My best teaching is on Wednesday night. I'd love for you to show up sometime to go through the scripture we're going through. 1 John 2, Jesus talks about his role now as the good shepherd in heaven. The Bible says he is our advocate before the Father because the Father must treat sin with righteousness and justice. And the, the righteousness and justice of the Father says sin must be punished. And punishment means life. And the Bible says in Revelation that the, the devil is the accusers of God's people that accuses us day and night before God. And so day and night, the devil standing before God accusing us. Now, here's the thing about that. The devil doesn't have to make up lies about us to accuse us. All the devil has to do about us is, uh, 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 to God is just tell God the truth about us. Now, I don't know if the devil can tell the truth because he's the father of lies, but if he could, all he would do is tell God the truth about us and it's bad enough. It doesn't have to make up stuff, Right? And so he's accusing us day and night before the Father, and Jesus is there as our advocate, our defense attorney. All a defense attorney has to do is, before the judge or the jury, just provide a shadow of a doubt. Maybe it wasn't as bad as you say it was. Maybe there's some extenuating circumstances. Maybe they're not as guilty as you say. Maybe there's this, maybe that. Maybe there's an excuse. Maybe there's a reason. That's what a defense attorney does, right? That's not what Jesus does. He's our defense attorney, and he doesn't make excuses for us. He doesn't pull the punches. He says to God, yep, it's as bad as, as you think it is. Billy is as bad as he, the devil claims him to be. He deserves it. He deserves Throw the book at him. That's what he deserves. But Jesus says, here's my defense of him. See my scars? He says, Father, I offer as Carl's defense the blood that flowed through my veins. There's no excuse for me. There's no reasons to make me better. The good shepherd stands before the father and says, level your righteousness and judgment against me. I gave my blood. Carl's fine. He's a good shepherd. He's a good shepherd. Let me finish with this. I love how this whole thing goes down. This is what Jesus does. 
There's division. Those who heard Jesus talk were divided. Some believed, some didn't. Some were divided within themselves. I hear what you're saying. It's causing some conflict in my heart. It's causing me conflict because I know I like the other voices I listen to. It's causing some conflict because I know you've called me to follow you and I, I want some explanation before I do. It's causing some conflict because you say you're the only way. And this is what Jesus does. He causes conflict and he calls us for a decision. So that you may believe, what decision will you make? See, all of us love the picture of a loving shepherd. We love the idea and the picture of the shepherd who finds the sheep that wanders, who puts them on his shoulder and brings them back to the fold. We love the idea and picture of a shepherd that binds up the, those who are injured, that, that rescues the lost. We, we love the shepherd that lays his life down in front of the gate for the protection and the provision of the sheep. We love that shepherd. But that shepherd demands a decision to both enter through him into the sheepfold and then to follow him because you know his voice. It demands that he demands a decision. An apathetic sheep was a lost sheep. He's a good shepherd. I want you to pray with me. Jesus, you are our shepherd. And you are a good shepherd. Call us. Call us by name. Call us individually. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would protect us from indifference. I pray that you would protect us and the word that's been spread from apathy. I pray that you would protect us. That you would cause your word to take root. To begin to sprout up and produce a, a harvest 30, 60, and 100 fold right now. Jesus, you are the good shepherd. Let us hear your voice and choose to follow you now. Father, I know that there are some of your sheep here who are not living abundant lives. Though perhaps in the sheepfold, not living abundant lives. I know that there's some sheep here who have wandered away, who have gone astray, who are distracted, or listening to the voices that are taking them down wrong paths and dark valleys. There's, there's some of your sheep that are apathetic and lazy and the cares of this world have choked out your word and choked out their work for you. And guys, if that's you, I just invite you in this moment between a, you and a very good shepherd Say, I confess, Jesus, you are my shepherd. You know where the best pasture is. You see things I don't. And I'm going to choose to trust you again. I trust you to lead me. Help me hear your voice. Help me know the difference between your voice and the voice of the culture around me. And I recommit my life to follow you as my shepherd. Some of your sheep need to come back home. But I do know that there's others here who have never chosen to follow the good shepherd. You've always done your own thing. You've always gone your own way. Some of you have just absolutely ignored the voice of the shepherd. Some of you have just been ignorant of it. You never really heard it before. And I invite you in this moment 
Say, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior and my shepherd. Thank you that you laid your life down for me. Thank you that you picked it up so I could have eternal life. Jesus, I trust you as my good shepherd. And today I choose to follow you. Help me hear your voice and help me follow well. Jesus, I thank you that you are a good shepherd. I pray that we, your sheep, would listen to your voice and follow as you lead us. In the name of Jesus, I pray these things over us. Amen. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you made some decision to recommit yourself to Christ, to listen again with open ears, or to follow Jesus for the first time, I'd love to talk to you about that. Other people in this church would love to talk to you about that, just to help. And, and, and part of the deal is, you don't got to tell everybody, but you got to tell somebody for your benefit. And, and so as, as we sing and finish singing, if, if you just want to stay where you are and let and do some work with the Holy Spirit, like, don't rush that. And I know I got my friends, the Addingtons down here and the McElroy's there and the Mesmanians back there. I got some people around that would love to, you want to stay put and talk, we'd love to do that. You don't got to tell everybody, you got to tell somebody. At, at least take one of those cards and mark it on a car and say, hey, Pastor Carl, I recommit my life today. Why don't you pray for me? Or I accept Jesus for the first time today. I want, I want you to be praying for me. Help me. What are my next steps? I know Sean will be at the start here booth too. He won't be more than happy to talk to you as well. Don't let this time pass you by without taking advantage of what the good shepherd has offered. I love you. I'm so, I love you too, Pastor Carl. I, I, it, it, uh, I got nothing. I got nothing from anybody on that one. At least you didn't do a rim shot back there. That would have made me feel terrible. John 11 next week where Jesus says I'm the resurrection. Let's sing.